0: If you, as a parent, ever talk to your children and finally you just had enough, and said, "I told you not," you know, and you you correct them, discipline those children, the answer is yes. I've seen it here, and I appreciate that. Uh, but sometimes people just snap. And we see in the news, if you watch the news nowadays, if you, we see the news, and you know, there's been shooting at a school or in a mall or at a party, whatever, that people just snap. And they lose control instead of just acting normal. That yeah. things happen <clears throat> that uh, I don't know why, but it does. And I almost put a, a, a picture of a volcano on this uh, first slide, but I didn't do it. But I want us to look at, at some things this morning about trying the Lord, t- trying his patience like a parent is when the, the, ch- the children just, they just can't get it right that, for, for a little while. And the Lord, his patience has been tried. And let's just look at some things. I've got some, um, look at some instances in in the Old Testament in particular about things that just weren't going right. And it really starts in Genesis chapter 6. I want us to look, if you will, at... uh, the wickedness of man, I don't know how long this was after the, the creation. Uh, it had been some time. It had been quite a, a, a time, but I just I don't know what year to put on this because I just won't. But here's man created in the image of God, and man has other ideas. If you look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, But the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. So here's man, uh, as, we, as we mentioned, Genesis 1, 26, created in God's image. he wants us to be like him but we've had other ideas that we have decided I like these things in the world and it says that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually that there was nothing good in these people that every thought was evil and so God says, "I'm going to fix this," and we know that He found a, a righteous man, uh, found grace in the eyes, a man named Noah, a grace in the eyes of the Lord, and He built an ark because the Lord told Him to. And Him building the ark, and the 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 mankind, eight of them, Noah and his. Wife and three sons were saved because of that ark that was made. Because the, wa- the floods of the waters covered even the tallest mountain. And every man on earth died except those eight. He had had enough. And he decided to take care of it. He didn't blow his stack. But he had seen that the, the, the way this thing's going is not a good trajectory. So we going to take care of that right now. And that's what he did. There's more. Look in Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. <clears throat> we're going to read the first nine verses, and then we're going to skip over and read some more in, in the chapter. Exodus 32, verses 1 through 9. Now, God has given uh, his people... Uh, They're wandering in the wilderness, have wandered for a while. He's given them his law. His people heard him speak and give the Ten Commandments. They heard him, and they were terrified. We don't want to hear him anymore. You speak to us, Moses, they said. And so Moses also goes up on the mountain. He stays for 40 days. They don't know what happened to him. That's where we are. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron Aaron, and said to him, Come, make uh, make us gods that uh, shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in the ears in their ears and brought them to Aaron and he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it and was with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said this is your god of, o Israel that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Moses saw it so when Aaron saw it uh He built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is the feast of the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molded calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. So here's Moses up on the mountain, and he's receiving the two tablets, the tablets with the Ten Commandments on them, the Ten Words. He's getting those, and he's been gone 40 days, and they don't know. Where is he? Has he been consumed in this mountain, in the smoke and all? Has he been taken and gone and dead? And they don't know. And so Aaron, Moses' brother, they want him to make them a calf, an idol so that they can worship, as it says, Jehovah and make his representation to be an idol. And Moses apparently doesn't even offer any resistance. He just does what the people wanted to do. And there it is. And they uh, worshipped it. Let's look at verses 19 through 28. So it was, as soon as he came near the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, So Moses' anger became hot and he cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, and ground it into powder. And He scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? So Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil for they said to me make us gods that we should that should go before us as for this Moses the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt we do not know what has become of him and I said to them whoever has any gold, let them break it off so they gave it to me and I cast it into fire and this came out now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put on his sword and on on his side, and go in and out from the entrance to entrance throughout the camp, and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor." So the sons of Levi Levi did according to the word of the Lord, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Those 3,000, I'm assuming, were the ones who had worshipped before this idol, whom they called Jehovah. The sons of Levi took them and killed them. But they were unrestrained in verse 25. Now, when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. So here's a a point in which God wants retribution on his people for the wrong that they've done. And 3,000 died. Um, Not a good look. Here's, again, and this is... Sometime after they had received, a short time after they had received the law, 40 days after they had heard God speak, and they saw no image because God doesn't want an image to be a representation of Him. So they said, Make us an idol so that we can worship Jehovah. Who, and so He does. Exactly the wrong thing to do. Just wait for Moses. Moses actually had to go up on the mountain another 40 days and uh, God gave him the law. God was displeased. He told Moses, you get out. Things are not good down there. And see your people that you brought out of the land of Egypt. Another time, in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Verses 25 through chapter 14, verse 4. The people have been in the wilderness for two years. The incident, that got the law, and then they had the, the incident with the golden calves, and then... The 3,000 were killed, and for, this is the second year now, the two years they've been in the wilderness, and they've come to the promised land, the God that has said, I will give you this land, a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give it to you. And so when they get there, Moses sends out spies, 12 spies, one from each tribe. Let's begin in verse 25 of chapter 13. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our sight and so we were in their sight so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in the wilderness why has the Lord brought us out uh, brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims would it not be better for us to return to Egypt so they said to one another let us select a leader and return to Egypt here they have been been living in tents for two years now they have a chance to go and live in this land that's been promised to them and they can Make their home. Get out of the tents. And live in the land promised. Joshua and Caleb, two of the twelve spies, said, let's go take the land. We, we can do this. They, You know what they knew? They knew that God would help them. He's helped them these two years they've been in the wilderness. There's no question they would have perished without the Lord. They got help from God. And Joshua and Caleb knew that they that the Lord would help them take this land from the enemies that live in that land. But the people, they listened to the others. There were giants there. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. They live in fortified cities. They're all over the country. They're in the hills. They're on the seacoast. They're in, in the valley there. They live everywhere. We're not able to do this. And so they're terrified. Oh, Only only if we just stayed in Egypt. Why did you bring us out to die in the wilderness? And so they chose somebody. We're in the process of choosing somebody to take them back to Egypt. God is very displeased with them. As a result of their not wanting to take the land, they spent another 38 years wandering in the wilderness, living in tents. And God said, as a result of this, every male from 20 years old and above is going to die in the wilderness. Every one of you. You know how many soldiers there were? Six hundred and two, three thousand something. All those soldiers died. And they were replaced by a younger generation that that did not rebel against God. And it took 38 years for them to make it to the land. Before they got to the land, though, in... uh, Numbers chapter 25, let's read a little bit of that. Numbers 25, Israel and the Moabite women. Numbers 25, verses 1 through 9. This is after they had had a chance to go take the land, and they decided they didn't want to. And so sometime after that, Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to, to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he arose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her body so the plague was stopped among the people of the children of Israel and those who died in the plague were 24,000 here they are mingling with the Moabites, worshiping with the Moabites, and part of that worship was sexual immorality. They've turned their heart away from God. They have worshiped an idol. 24,000 died that day, that that, day, died, in 1 in Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, it says 23,000 died in one day. 23,000 because they're, they're obstinate and they don't want to do what their leader, Moses, said. Moses got his directions from the Lord. They don't want to do that. They just don't want to do that. They'd rather do things their own way. Got caught up in it. Maybe got caught up in the moment. And those 23,000 wouldn't have died if they had just stayed and done what the Lord said to do. They just couldn't handle it. They just wanted to do what they wanted to do. And sometimes we're like that. Sometimes we decided, you know what, I, I, I'll just do what I want to do. Look at 2 Kings 21. 2 Kings 21 Manasseh is the king they have gone into the land now this is many years later they've gone into the land they took the land from their enemies they established a kingdom and pretty well it was took a long time and after the judges that was a a bad period of time three three to four four to five hundred years um But they finally set up a kingdom. They had a king named Saul. And um, after King Saul, there was uh, King David, and after him there was Solomon. Well, after Solomon, the kingdom split to Israel and Judah. And Israel is taken into captivity by the Assyrians because they didn't follow the Lord. And so here we're looking at one of the kings of Judah uh, after Israel has been taken captive. Here's another king in Judah. Let's just look at him. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abomination of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. He raised up altars for Baal and made a wooden image as Ahab king of Israel had done. And he worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He built also altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem I will put my name. And he built altars on all the of all, for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his sons pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He even set a carved image of Asherah that he had made in the house of which the Lord had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not make the feet of the Israel wander any more from the land which I gave their fathers, only if they are faithful to do according to the, all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they paid no attention, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. You know these stories. Sometimes it's good to be reminded of how God would react if he would just blow his top. Here's a man, it says in verse 2, he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations. He was just like the nations. Just like the people that they were displaced and they killed to take that land that God had given to them. He made... Uh, altars for Baal, a a God, a false God, but a God. He made a wooden image as Ahab, king of Israel, had done, and he worshiped all the host of heaven and served them instead of serving the living God. But that's not all of it. Verse 6, he made his sons pass through the fire. That means he killed them in sacrifice and burned their bodies like they would have an animal um, to the Lord, like a bull. But they killed them and burned them. The Lord hates that, hated it, because that's how the people lived. That's how the nations lived, the Gentiles. He hated that kind of activity. As a result of Manasseh, Israel is going to go into captivity. Now, it's not going to be right immediately, but they're going to go into captivity. They're going to be taken out of the land, and that captivity is going to last for seventy years. A remnant will be allowed to return after seventy years, but they will have learned their lesson when they return. This is a drastic measure right here because of their idolatry. For not serving God, you are removed from the land. And the idea was for them to keep that land, to live in that land, to prosper in the land. And they were not allowed to do so because they wouldn't serve the Lord. They refused to do so. The prophets were sent to them to bring them back to them, to to repent, and they just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. And so he removed them. A remnant came back 70 years later after... Uh, the last king of Judah, and what they did not do any longer was serve idols. They got that out of. Them. Now, let's look at New Testament times. Let's look in Second Timothy, chapter three. Second Timothy, chapter three. Look at the first five verses. But know this that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. There's not one good thing said about those people he's talking about in the last days. That's our time, before and now. Just look at some of these things. There will be lovers of themselves. Do what I want to do, please myself. Lovers of money, their goal is to have have money to buy things that could please them. Disobedient to parents. God hates that. You're supposed to honor your parents. You obey your parents, not be disobedient to them. Without self-control. just being unrestrained you might could say there's one on here verse 3 verse 1 says unloving unloving I don't know what that says about abortion yeah I think I do know what it says about abortion it's not meant to be a political thing, but all of these things the Lord is displeased with. The Lord is displeased with just think about it now: not loving your children, disobedient to parents, slanderers, without separate, brutal. Traitors, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, turn away from those kind of people. Turn away from them. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, And the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Let us lay aside every weight. There's something that's holding us back. And it is connected. um, And the sin which so easily ensnares us. Something's dragging us back. Something's keeping us from serving the Lord. He said, you've seen examples in Hebrews 11 of God-fearing people who were moved with faith to obey God because they knew that what is in this land, what is in this world, is temporary. And they're sojourning here. They're, They're pilgrims here, not permanent, pilgrims. He says, the people of the world and we are ensnared by sin. We let it get in the way of our service to the Lord. We let it take over. It keeps us separated from God. He said, run with patience. The race that's set before us. Let's just keep running as if it's a race. It's a long marathon, not a short race. He said, looking, at, looking unto Jesus, who endured the cross, endured Something degrading like that, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured and de- the cross, shameful though it was, for our good. And he sat down at the right hand of God when he had finished his work. But this was for our good, to, to take away our sins. And in verse 3 it says, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Hostility. We just, it was just read. He, he was beaten. He was hanged on a cross, nails driven through his <coughs> wrists. And put up there to suffer and die. And the Lord's telling us, you consider him lest you become weary and discouraged. Think about Jesus. And I, and I think I told you, I don't know, maybe it was at the Pines the other night. That here's Jesus. He knows what's about to happen to him. He's, he's, he's praying in the, in the garden that he might not have to go through what he's about to go through because he, he knows He knows how bad it's going to be. And his his disciples, are are you willing to take the cup that I take? He said, well, yeah, we can do this. They don't know. They don't know what's about to happen to Jesus. He said, yeah, you will take it. You will receive the same things I'm going to receive. And if they had known, I wonder how much of them, how many of them would have, Said, oh, yeah, I'll do this. Jesus went through it for us. But us, do we look at him? Do we think about him? Do we consider him? We meditate on his life, meditate on what he's done, we look at his example. Of how he lived, the things that he taught his disciples to teach is the way Jesus lived. He taught and lived what he taught. Look at what he taught. It's just like the way he lived. He loved us, he gave himself for us, but he loved us. And then. Once the disciples, once his apostles got it and they understood it on the day of Pentecost and from their own, look at their examples. That they lived it as well as teaching it. They were not hypocritic. In Exodus chapter 17, in verse 2. Exodus chapter 17 in verse 2. It says... <clears throat> When he had given, they needed water in the wilderness, back to the wilderness now. The people needed water. They, keep in mind, there's, I don't know a number, two to three million. If there's 600-something thousand soldiers, there's two to three million people then. So there's this, this mass of people is in the wilderness, in a desert. Water is in short supply, and they need it. And so the Lord's going to provide it through Moses. And it says in verse 2, And the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. They contended with Moses. I think an interesting... Why don't we have water? Can you imagine all the problems that could come up in the wilderness? And so they, they are not satisfied and never were with his leadership, although without him, they wouldn't have made it. And so... He is only doing what God tells him to do. And so they're contending with him. And really that's treating the Lord as an enemy, not just Moses. Because God is giving directions. and So we don't need to consider that the Lord is our enemy. You know, we have a big problem. Is we have the book. We have the standard. We have the instructions. But our biggest problem is we just we don't we don't do it. We don't follow instructions very well. We do like to do things what, our own way, what we want to do. Let's look at Hosea. I'm past time. I did not realize it. Well, yours will be shorter, Evan. Evan. Hosea chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing, committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Therefore the land will mourn, and every one who dwells there will waste away with the beast of the field and the birds of the air. Even the fish of the sea will be taken away. Now let no man contend or rebuke another, for your people are like those who contend with the priests. Therefore you shall stumble In the day, the prophet also shall stumble with you in the night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest to me. Because you have forgotten the law of the Lord, I will also forget your children. There's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. The priest had failed The priests had failed these people, the ones who were going to teach them about God, didn't do it. They're swearing, lying, killing, stealing, and committing adultery. The people break all restraint and do what they want to do. Sounds like those people in the wilderness, doesn't it? My people are destroyed, destroyed for lack of knowledge. They rejected knowledge, it says. They'd forgotten the law of God. I will also forget your people. It's not very promising, is it? That's our problem. We don't do what the Lord says do. In Matthew 22, verse 29, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. He's talking to the Sadducees said they didn't believe in the resurrection he said they gave him a scenario about a, a, a man and a wife and they didn't have children and the brothers had her to give child it, but it, anyway you don't know the scriptures you're mistaken the idea is not simply that they gave an incorrect answer or someone they, just, they don't know what they're talking about they're ignorant of scripture that's what it says it doesn't say it that way they don't know scripture. You don't know what you're talking about. You've been led down the wrong path. You've been deceived. Just don't be deceived. Take up your song books. We'll sing number 285 here in just a moment read all those scriptures to remind us really not saying we're bad people but we ne- maybe we need reminding sometime that the Lord is not, dis- is not pleased with just any kind of behavior he demands excellence in this world in a sense to do his will to obey him we understand in Scripture from Deuteronomy 6.24 that his commandments and everything are for our good always. For our good always. And that's what he wants. That, that his book here, his, his, what we call the Bible, the good news, um, the gospel that was given to those people was, was for the best for them. That they would live. Here in such a fashion that God would approve and that he would bring them into his home after this life is over. If you need to respond to the call of the gospel or need to be baptized to have your sins washed away or if you've done that in the past and need, to, uh, need the prayers of the saints about some sin or some, uh, something else, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?